And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Remember that last one. Today is May 27th, 2019. This is episode 268. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to augment your reality. Thank goodness. We'll also fix that dump that you call Camden Yards. You shut your mouth. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this week? Best drink ever. Free gin. Oh, free gin. Yep. This is a gin and tonic made with Hendrix and a dash of cucumber uh, provided by my host this evening at SD Studios, a one Mr. Scott Magnus. Listen, we uh, passed gin out freely here, uh, made with premium Indian tonic water from Fever Tree. Yeah, um, I've never seen that before. Quite yummy. Quite yummy. Um, I'm actually doing the same. Uh, mine has a half a shot of uh, elderflower liqueur in it, uh, along with the typical accoutrements uh, of a gin and tonic. And of course, if you're drinking Hendrix gin, there's got to be cut up cucumber in your gin. And of course... We've got to cut up cucumber. Um, that's how fancy we are here at Bird's Eye View. Not as fancy as the Wind Up podcast, but quite fancy. We'll get there someday. We'll get there one day. Uh, Jake, if we want to find out what kind of um, Budweiser-based product, AB InBev product we let you're drinking on a weekly basis. Hey, I drink great beer this weekend because I was uh, out of town celebrating Memorial Day weekend with family. Uh, check it out on Untapped. There's all sorts of stuff that isn't um, Michelob Ultra or Bud Light Lime. Jake, I, I would actually say that you're untapped at Jake E4025. It's, it's much more of a Chris Davis um, hitting aspect where it's like two weeks of like, oh, okay, that's that's pretty good beer. And then it's two weeks of, oh, what is this that he's drinking? Look, and, Scott, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. There are highs. There are lows. But it's nothing. It, it pales in comparison to your untapped, which is M-A-G-N- Eight six zero six. Yes, this is why we do not pay you one hundred sixty eight million dollars. Uh, and there, with there are many reasons. There, there are that is one many reasons. And if we had to find out more of them, we could just ask your wife or just check out last week's episode in terms of uh, the baseball widows coming on and, and trashing us. Um, speaking about trashing, we're still recovering from that episode. So uh, let's go ahead and diagnose some of our injuries from last week. It's time for a checkup. All right, so the uh, general uh, theme of last week of, you know, Nate Carnes, Mark Trumbo, Alex Cobb, yeah, they're all still injured. You know, it looks like Mark Trumbo may get in and do some rehab in Yay. the near future. Yay. Yeah, exactly. Um, they said that he's going to try first base and outfield. Yay. Um, but, of course, the big news this week is Chris Davis going on the injury list with a uh, a hip issue. Um, Brandon Heikman said his hip is sore. Um Brandon Hyde indicated that he has no clue when he is going to return. I thought he came down with a, a, a an acute sense of irony. Yes. And this is because at, at one point in the season, we would have given our left hip for Chris Davis Boom. to go on the IL. And now that he's actually, you know, somewhat productive. But has he been productive for the past two weeks? Like, he was good for those two-week periods, and then all of a sudden it has slunk back into, uh, let's call it typical Chris Davis fashion. So... 
Well, like I said, it's like on tap for Jake English. <laughs> Maybe this is just, you know, his rapid descent. Uh, but yeah, he'll he'll be back someday. Some, someday. Maybe this is uh, paving the way for uh, Mark Trumbo to take his stead for a little bit, and then Chris Davis can come back, you know, in August or September. If nothing else, this is a nice uh, look at Trey Mancini at first base for an extended period of time. Yeah, I guess that's something. Hey, for the trade value and or i'm sorry i'm supposed to say so that we can realize how good he is and sign him to a long-term contract ah, there you because go. that's what good clubs thank are. you peter schmuck but you know you are right pushing trey mancini to first base does also open up a spot in the outfield um which allows you know someone like uh, a dj stewart to potentially come up and with how much dj stewart has been raking in may um maybe the orioles pull that trigger sooner rather than later and say Let's give him a shot to see what he can actually do in the major leagues. Yeah, so. would love to see it. All right, well, let's go ahead to 280 characters less this week on the Twitters. I'm going to start with what I can only assume was a Russian bot, Scotty. But there was somebody out there calling Brian Roberts a Yankee, saying that we shouldn't allow Yankees to be the color commentary. Now, usually what I'll do is I will tell you exactly who said what, and I'll quote the tweet. But again, I can't verify this person as a real person because of the content. It's suspicious. If there was a way to flag uh, Orioles Twitter for suspected Russian bot status, I would have done it. There was a long conversation. Go ahead and troll through our Twitters this week if you're curious. But calling Brian Roberts a Yankee because he played a whopping year there when he didn't know it was time to pick up his cleats and go home is insanity. You know, this is a great point, and um, I, I'm glad that you brought it up. You know, bots, as they were, are a, 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 a huge issue within Birdland. Um, of course, we've got um, certain individuals that are from uh, another country, uh, potentially Australia, that have a, a numerous amount of followers that makes no amount of sense. Um, so it would seem that, you know, certain numbers and counts of followers may be artificially inclined. But again, if, if bots are starting to infiltrate the Birdland uh, Twitterverse, then I, I think we need to have an investigation, as it were. I think that we need to, you know, go out, get a private investigator, and basically hold our Orioles president accountable. Orioles fan problems, this is a chance for you to come to the table and make an answer known of saying we will not support individuals coming in and tearing down the democracy that we have started here from Orioles Twitter. So Orioles fan problems, yes, Ryan Blake, I am talking to you. It is time for you to step up to the mantle, and it is time for you to take action in order to preserve the sanctity of Birdland. Look, I'm not going to give your your theory credence here, but I've yet to see Blake's tax returns. Uh, that's that's great. I've not seen Ryan Blake's tax return either. So, Ryan Blake, you're on notice. You're on notice. <laughs> All right. Uh, an actual tweet. Let's talk about an actual tweet. You want to talk about an actual tweet? Here we go. This is from Joe Trezza, who, of course, tweets at Joe Trez. Uh, white hot once again, Renato Nunez is suddenly on a near 40 home run pace. Quote, it, is, uh, it has to be the information and preparation I've been doing before the games in the video room, Nunez said. Having a plan and sticking to that plan when the game comes. One second. End quote. All right. Hold on. There's a lot here. Uh, information. Yeah. Preparation. Yeah. Planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, following through on that plan. Uh, yeah, these, this, this seems like everything that... Every single baseball player has been doing since they came to the major leagues. I am interested in this, though. Um, the information and in preparation. I would like to see how different the information available to the players is now 
considering how it was, you know, in the previous regime. Yeah, I, you know, I think ultimately um, this comes with we're entering into, you know, the end of May. Um, school is coming to a close, mm-hmm. uh, which means that Matt Taylor's son has a little bit more time available to send, you know, um, information to Renato Nunez telling him, hey, I've been watching you. Nobody else in the organization is actually watching you. Here's some pointers that I've noticed cheering you on. I think it's fair. Okay. So it's good to see, uh, again, summer fast approaching because that just means Renato Nunez is going to tear off um, as long as Matt Taylor's son does not go on vacation. Um, you know, this next tweet comes from Matt Kremnitzer, and I, I really want this to catch on. And Jake, I believe you coined this phrase. Um, it's Sean Armstrong, a.k.a. new Mike Wright, in it for the save. Are you the actual founder of the new Mike Wright coinage? Because everyone has kind of referred back to you. Look, I don't I don't want this to be about me. No, this, no, no, no. You to, and Mike Wright will forever be, be linked now going forward. I'm no Hufflepuff. This 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 is all about new Mike Wright. Look, look, uh they they acquired the Orioles acquired Armstrong when they DFA'd Mike Wright. Mm-hmm. And I believe in order to make room to pick him up, the Mariners DFA'd uh Sean Armstrong. Right. So the Orioles then uh, claimed Sean Armstrong, brought him uh, to Baltimore, and Armstrong is now wearing 43, which was Mike Wright's old uniform. He's literally new Mike Wright and occasionally pitches like him. Too. Yeah. This is uh, this next tweet is I'm not sure if it's real. I'm not sure if it's been doctored, if the photo has been changed in any way, but I want this to be real so badly. This is a tweet that comes from Mark Johnson, who treat, tweets at Mark Johnson 319 and he writes as follows, Don't ever change at Rocky's scoreboard operator. And what you have here is a pregame note on the, the scoreboard right there at Coors Field. It says as follows. Game notes. The last time the Orioles visited Denver was 2004. Nolan Arenado was just 13. The iPhone was three years away from hitting the shelves, and I was in the early stages of alimony litigation with the delight of a first wife. Time flies, eh? Dear Lord, I want that to be right. I want that to be real, and I want the Orioles to take note, because this is chef kiss beautiful. Is your dad doing the uh, scoreboards for the Rockies right now? He is not. Okay, I just want to make sure. Uh, All right, this next one, uh, this comes from Bill James. Uh, You can follow him at Bill James Online. Caution. Might get a little conservative. Um, I've got to say, based on my three hours of experience in rooting for the Orioles, that being an Oriole fan is pretty tough. Well, this is spot on, but honestly, I don't think people grasp the nature of how bad it can be to be an Orioles fan. Uh, and of course, this was in response to the Orioles pretty much um, giving up the game against the New York Yankees with Bill James, a noted Red Sox fan, and also working for the Red Sox organization, um, sitting there in disbelief about how the Orioles could squander a game. And again, it just looked like a typical game that we have seen from the 90s to the 2000s. That guy's an amateur. Yeah. He doesn't know how to root for a team this yeah. incompetent. Exactly. Uh, next, this tweet comes from Rock Baca, who tweets at Mass and Rock. Who? Hashtag Orioles traded Jeffrey Ramirez to hashtag Pirates for a player to be named later or cash. I have a theory here. The player to be named later? Chad Bradford. It's a good one. We'll check in with Rock later this year to find out who we're going to get. Uh, next tweet comes from, oh, it goes into evergreen status. This one comes from Suspedis Family Barbecue. Suspedis Barbecue. Uh, Orioles fan status. Can't even right now. Folks, just pin this 
and just refer to this pin tweet. Just use it all uh, for the next, you know, five to seven years. Forever. Yeah, I mean, it might be forever. So uh, this um, this pretty much can just go on to your tombstone. It can just say Scott Magnus, uh, born, uh, died, and then it underwrite on it. It says can't even right now. Orioles fan colon can't, can't even, even right now. now. Yeah, I like it. Our next tweet comes from Steve Molesky. Who Coming tweet- out of the tombstone as a boy with his hands over the tombstone, catching a ball, and he's wearing a Yankees cap. Can't even. Can't even right just, now? Just, just can't, can't even right now. Uh, our next tweet comes from Steve Molesky, at Mass and Steve. Brandon Hyde said Givens has thrown fewer innings now than at similar points last year, but may use him in lower leverage situations coming up to get him back on track. Oh. Um, so a low leverage situation in the 2019 Orioles season. I can't imagine what that would be like. So all the time, any inning yeah. that is thrown every single one. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes back to, um, if Michael Gibbons is out there for trade value, it's gone at this point, right? It, there's no chance he has any trade value remaining. Like folks are looking at this and saying, how can I trust this guy to come onto a playoff team and give me serviceable innings? I mean, he offers nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a shame, but, uh, ultimately Michael Givens truly, um, resembles that of the 2019 Orioles moving forward. It's a bad time for him to fall asleep, but, or fall asleep. It's a bad time for him to fall Someone's apart. Someone's thinking about what they want to do. <laughs> It's a bad time to fall apart, uh, but that, unfortunately, is the reality of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, you know, the reality is bleak in, in Birdland or in Duckland, whatever we want to call it. Um, and, you know, I was sitting at the game today, and I noticed something, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the reality of Birdland. All right, Jake. So I was sitting in section 336 today, kind of just with my kids. First game of the season for me. Pretty much the latest I've been Whoa. of uh, any uh, any time of any season, even during the dark ages. Uh, fair weather fan. Fair weather fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone kind of knows that uh, I've been traveling a good amount. Um, work, work be work. Um, but I was sitting there and I was watching the scoreboard as I do and, you know, cheering on mustard. Um cheering on you know middle crab since it's always middle crab and um yeah i was looking at the center field scoreboard and i saw something come up that was interesting to me um there was a um indiv- a notification indicating that uh, there was this new feature out in statue park um it was an augmented reality um portion within statues park so Ooh, when you say augmented reality like after a few brews doesn't all reality become augmented yeah 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 absolutely but augmented reality works in this in this manner of um you basically go you pull out your phone and then in, in essence you interact with something that is within given reality um and then in that aspect of the phone something will pop up or something will be shown on your phone in relationship to um you know the real world so 
Uh, you know, a great example of this would be Pokemon Go um, that basically has made billions upon billions of dollars to this point. So uh, we're talking Pokemon Goose. Goose, yes. Um, which I believe Goose is a Duclaw beer. It's a sour ale. Um, plug for Duclaw. Thanks for moving to Baltimore County. Really appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I looked into this and uh, it basically is you get to go out to, you know, Legends Park or Statue Park. Um, you basically go out there. You basically tag uh, the statue with your augmented reality device, um, which is your phone, basically. Um, and when you take a picture, it basically pulls up highlights and content featuring the Orioles legend. So, like, uh, if you go out there and, you know, tag Brooks Robinson, it'll show a highlight from Brooks Robinson, basically, in the 1970 World Series. If you go out there and, you know, watch, you know, you know Frank Robinson, they'll show, a, you know, a story about the here flag at Memorial Stadium. If you go out and do Jim Palmer, you just see a picture of him in his underwear, and his jockey <laughs> underwear. So it's this, you know, fun way for... Um, I guess individuals to interact with the legends and kind of understand and learn it, which again, for us, it makes a lot of sense, but you know, I think it's also for visitors to come by and say, let me just see who this person is. Um, you know, I think it's a great idea in terms of, um, again, doing a virtual experience and getting to see content right there of saying, I don't really know much about Jim Palmer. Let me see something about Jim Palmer. If I'm not familiar with them. I, I also think it's brilliant because Scotty, we're we're savvy and all that kind of good stuff, but this feature is not for us. This feature is for the kids, right? This feature is for a generation that's not familiar with Brooks Robinson, not familiar with who Jim Palmer was as a player. You know, they may they may know him as a, a broadcaster. This is you know this is for the kids, which I I think is phenomenal because yep. as you know, baseball has a problem with the current generation. Just ask any sports writer, and they'll tell you. But but, uh, but you're right. I mean, it, the history is is one thing, and you know. Um, you and I are both avid history lovers. Um, we've got into conversations about, you know, 20th century history and 20th century political dealings within Eastern Europe many a times um, because we're cool like that. It's been known um, to happen. Yeah. Ladies call us. Um, but um, when we were basically learning about baseball, when we were kids, let's call it five to eight years old, one of the first things that I did was. I flipped over the back of a baseball card and just basically said, let me take a look at this, you know, 1982 tops card. And let me just read about this guy and make a determination of, you know, how good is this player? Um, and then you kind of sort through it and you trade your cards to your friends, compare stats, you talk over things. Um, and, you know, with, you know, those decks, you know, back in the day with, you know, tops and Fleer and everything like that. I mean, you're talking, you know, 700 to 800 different cards. So again, just kind of learning the names because the only other way you're going to do that is, by going to the library and getting a book and what kind of nerd goes and looks at a book. Um, so instead you look at baseball cards. So this gives an opportunity for someone that uh, is a kid uh, to potentially learn about history. There was a really funny interaction um, with, um, which we call it Mike Trostromsky. Um, and he, there was a kid out there asking for his autograph and he says, how do you spell your last name? And he's, he spells it for him and he's like, how do you say it? And so he's like, it's your Stromsky. And he said, the kid's like, oh, okay. Like, he's never heard your Stremsky before. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, for our generation, we've heard it because— It's a household name. It's a household name. 
But for kids in this age, you know, it's a possibility, you know, that was 40 plus years ago. So maybe you haven't heard of your Stromsky before. I mean, it's possible. So tell me about this augmented reality. This this has to be pretty new because I, I haven't seen it and I've been to the ballpark uh, before today. Yeah. So I think this is the first year that's being done in Legends and Statue Park. Um, it's actually set up by uh, through the MLB um, a ballpark app. Um, and it's actually being powered by PNC. So I think it's kind of an initiative by Major League Baseball and the Orioles um, to see you know, how can we get more interaction within the given ballpark uh, as opposed to, to just see. going back to their seat. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious to see if they do this in other parks or if you know they're a small group like Camden Yards where where they're piloting it. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So it's it's through the ballpark app that that makes a ton of sense. Um. That that's really awesome. I hope this takes off. I th- I think it's a great opportunity to market. I think it's a great opportunity to connect to fans of a certain age. Uh, but Scotty, you know, we're ideas we're ideas people, and so we need to take this idea, and we need to build on it. Mm-hmm. It's great to find out about Brooks Robinson. That's a that's a great thing, but that is not all of the potential that augmented reality has in the ballpark. And so, I I think that there are a couple of things that they can do. You know, you've mentioned Pokemon Go a, a couple times now. Um, this could make Camden Yards a land of adventure sure. for fans in a way that has nothing to do with the misadventures on the field. So hear me out. I've got three ideas. Okay. Uh, and I think that this has a ton of potential. First, I think it needs to be something where you can earn rewards mm-hmm. for something. It yep. doesn't have to be much, right? Uh, a cheap giveaway. I would take a puffy vest, you know, whatever. Um, something a little competitive to, to get the juices flowing. I think that um, you need to find out where birds have been put on things. Ooh. All right, so the, the infamous uh, Andino and Jones trip through New York City where we they put, put birds, birds on things. Right, yeah. right. Uh, a, a rea- an augmented reality like that where you follow some players, you know, could be uh, Hanser Alberto, mm-hmm. could be... Uh, Trey Mancini could be uh, Jonathan Trade Value Villar uh, walking through the ballpark, putting birds on things. Mm-hmm. You know, you go ahead and you click on that bird and uh, you get points or something. But I think that putting birds on things is, is you can follow that throughout the concourse. And then that turns into, you know, advertising capabilities. Oh, I just happen to end up here at the hot dog stand. I need to buy a Roma sausage. Yeah. That kind of thing. So, so I like this idea put birds on things. Um, just to spin it a different way, um, you know, maybe we could have um, a matter where we have three different logos and basically you choose a team. So Ooh. you've got your ornithologically correct bird. Sure. You've got your smiling bird. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got the O's cap. Oof. And you basically choose a team, as it were. And then you basically put that through the stadium. And whatever has the most amount of stickers, that's the cap that the team wears that that give you an evening. I like this. Yes. That's a much better idea than yeah. mine. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Let's let's improve upon my next thought. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've got a mascot, and frankly, I think the Orioles mascot is one of the the better ones because yeah. it's not like a weird thing that has nothing to do with the team. It's the actual mascot of the team. Um, but there are unofficial mascots throughout the history of uh, baseball and for the Orioles. Recently, the Rally Raccoon. You remember the the sure. raccoon uh, snuck into the ballpark. I think that the Orioles need to embrace the social media happenings of today, and I think they need to have an official duck mascot. And I think you need to be able to follow that duck. Follow the duck? Throughout the ballpark. Or find the duck. Find the duck. Right. If you find the duck, you win a prize. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. 
I like the duck. Yeah. I think the Orioles should allow us to do so too. Last idea. Yeah. And here is, I think, the most critical one. The Brian Roberts watch. Ooh. You're not looking for some uh, weird mascot duck. You're not looking for where birds are put on things. You're looking for the one and only Brian Roberts. We could turn the Brian Roberts into an augmented reality experience. I like this. Actually, all joking aside, I think it would be super cool um, not only to learn about the legends in Legends Park, I think it would be a cool way to uh, introduce the team to people like first-round draft picks. Yep. Hi, I'm first-round draft pick, so-and-so and so-and-so. These are my stats. I'm really excited to report to Delmarva next year. And, oh, by the way, here are some upcoming exciting events at the ballpark. You know, all sorts of things like that. This is a great opportunity for the Orioles to figure out all of the advertising capabilities of augmented reality in ways that make it fun for fans that we haven't even thought of. Right. I'm delighted that they have, they've embraced this and that they've made it part of the ballpark experience. So, so I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I completely agree with you. Um, me personally, we're entering into dark times here. And obviously, um, folks are looking for a little escapism, as it were. You know, you don't want to basically be you know, constantly in the depths of watching a terrible, terrible team on the field. So I don't want to, but I am. So instead, here's what I'm suggesting. Um, what if instead, uh, when a player comes up to the plate, you could actually throw your screen up, then you could actually be looking at, this, at the field, and, uh, you know, Chris Davis comes to the bat, he swings, he strikes out, but on your augmented reality screen, he actually doesn't swing and strike out. He actually it loops back to a previous highlight where he hits a home run, and you can simulate in your head something good actually happening, even though on the field, nothing good actually is happening. I think this is a dangerous, dangerous game you're playing. Mm-hmm. If we get into escapism like that, mm-hmm. we will never see another real play of Orioles baseball. No, you'll see plenty of pitchers because we don't have any good highlights of Orioles pitchers. I'm telling you, we could not we could find ourselves wrapped in the matrix that way. Right. Uh, another idea. Um you know, obviously, um, monsters and, and fighting is a big aspect from an augmented reality aspect. We, we talked about Pokemon Go, but like League of Legends, which is a huge eSport, um, they came out with, you know, a scenario where a, you know, a legendary dragon or something like that came onto one of the main tournaments and everyone basically battled against it um, at this, you know, large festival, as it were. So here's my idea. Um, you know, I think maybe we put um, a monster out in the outfield. Um, and we basically say every single time a home run is given up by Orioles pitching, it basically knocks HP or you know mm. gives damage to the monster. So we actually are cheering for Orioles pitchers to give up home runs because ultimately it helped us to succeed and potentially catch that monster. So the monster that you're referring to is clearly Kevin Gregg. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. Right. right yeah. Right. Yeah. No question about it. If you knock him out completely and get his HP to zero, he actually pulls out a gas can, and lights himself on fire. So it's it's gonna be great. I like it. Um, you know, clearly we, we are again ideas people. We we've uh, you know just found out about this today, so this is fresh. It's new. I need you, uh, dear listener, to tell us what augmented reality you're looking for. Tweet at us at Bird's Eye View B A L. We're looking for your best ideas for augmented reality for the Baltimore Orioles, and frankly. They need them.
have to give it to the Orioles. They're trying to get you back into the park. No, 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 not not by fielding a competitive team, Lord, no. Uh, but they are doing everything else they can to lure you to Camden Yards. We've discussed the promotional schedule ad nauseum, uh, we, but they're, they're finally starting to get creative with their ticket packages, right? We, we've discussed the four-game flex pack, uh, which the Orioles are referring to as choose your own adventure, which I think, again, uh, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous marketing. Not sure why it's coming out now as opposed to December, but eh, what can I say? This team's always been a little late to the game. Uh, but here's something interesting that the Orioles just did. They announced a halfway to Black Friday. They're calling it halfway to Black and Orange Friday, where for a single game on May 31st, you can purchase tickets, uh, select tickets half off. And this is pretty interesting. Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five ticket uh, areas where they're literally slicing the price in half. So, for example, Upper Reserve... Uh, sections 306 to 312 and 358 to 372. Those tickets are normally $20. You can purchase them for this game, $10. There are two sections that they're giving at $10, one for 12, one for 16, one for $19. Um, and so for all the folks out there saying that the Orioles are not family friendly, that they're not affordable, that's crazy talk. In addition, you get this uh, retro 1954 bird T-shirt. I am delighted to see this. I'm delighted to see this because this is exactly the kind of retreat that we need to encourage. People need to buy all sorts of tickets to this May 31st game against the Giants so that the Orioles will say, oh, slashing ticket prices gets people into the park. I mean, remember back in 2012, they they cut ticket pack uh ticket prices back to like 1997 1992 uh, 1992 values yep, 1992 values um during a, a season in which the orioles ended up going to the playoffs right um that's clearly not going to happen this year so we need to incentivize them to slash ticket prices they are desperate i think that we need to help them become a little more desperate sure but i mean i've been thinking about this and you know people are constantly pointing back to you know mlb attendance is dwindling um a lot of towns that are similar to baltimore are, are suffering similar fates even cleveland for example um is having issues with an attendance standpoint and again i'd say the indians are right there in it um you know they're certainly behind the twins right now but sure the indians could easily come back and potentially take that division so you look at other teams that are out there, um, the Indians, you know, the Pirates, uh, the Brewers. Um, you know, these are teams that are getting middle market teams, probably low to middle market teams that are struggling to um, bring in fans. And I guess my question is, you know, what could these low to mid market teams be doing? And, you know, I look at what the Orioles have. And as much as I love Camden Yards, I think to myself, I wonder if there's something else we could be doing that's a little bit more aggressive. So, you know, I, I look up and I, I look at some of these other areas and I think to myself, um, you know, a lot of these other stadiums have areas where, um, you know, large groups of people can congregate. So I take a look at some of the more popular areas from a congregation standpoint within Canyon Yards and I see the Centerfield Bar. Um, and then I see the Miller Light Flight Decks, which are very popular ticket items. So I think to myself, I wonder if the Orioles could do more of that. I wonder if they could... Uh, dedicate entire sections to this kind of idea of 
Um, you can come in with an entire group and we're going to make it really cheap and we're going to have it be standing room only. Um, but it gives up people an opportunity to come into the stadium, walk around as it were, um, engage um, with the sights and sounds, uh, get a feel for the ambiance as it were. Um, but at the same time, offer something in addition that is um, a community feature, um, something similar to, hey, instead of us going down to Power Plant, let's go over to Cannon Yards instead, walk in there for $5, and we can have similar drinks and we can have similar food to what we would want to be having. So, you know, I was looking at this and I was saying, I wonder what would happen if we were to potentially um, offer a given area that had um, you know, local beers, you know, hyper local is a big aspect right now. What would happen if you said, um, we want to go out there and offer Oliver's a chance to come into the stadium and, and host, uh, or you just basically go to flying dog and say, Hey, we want you to explain, expand what you're doing with the tap room. And we want you to go upstairs and we want you to do a cask tasting this evening. And we're going to invite everyone to come over and basically buy cask taste beer, um, from you and, you know, three other of your that you would want to have it with you. And at the same time, you know, you come back and say, we also want to have several local food trucks or, you know, food restaurants be well represented up in the left field section um, and say, hey, you know, you're going to be up there. You're going to be serving similar to a tailgate fashion that we see with like Be More around town where you've got beer, you've got food, everyone is kind of commingling as it were, and then you're kind of watching the baseball game at the same time. So, I think Camden Yards is beautiful. It's clearly one of the best stadiums in existence right now. The only knock on it is that there are no sight lines from the concourse to sure. the game, right? So a lot of this congregation that you're talking about, a party atmosphere, can only take place in places like the the rooftop bar yep. or the Miller Lite flight deck, which, if I'm not mistaken, they chewed out a section of club. Yes. Right? So your club real estate, the, the moneymaker, right. is the only place that you can make this thing happen. Correct. For as much as we would like to say, oh, you know, just knock out a section and make it uh, see through to the, the concourse, you can't do that at Cannon Yards, uh, one, architecturally, uh, but but also it would ruin the aesthetic of a ballpark that's all about aesthetics. Sure. The other thing that I, I think is interesting is if you bring down the total um, – uh, a capacity, seating capacity of a ballpark, that's all good and fine until the ballpark's good again, right? And then so that, that, that funding never comes back. So I was thinking about this, and I completely agree. This is a, a concern for myself as well. But we're going to go back in history. I'm going to go back to 1996 and 1997. I'm listening. Uh, 1996 and 1997 playoffs. The Orioles were able to put in, I believe, 3,000 more seats for mm-hmm. the 96 and 97 playoffs. Bleachers in the flag court, right? Bleachers in the flag court. So if we were to take a section within the upper deck and say we want to flatten it, and then if the team were actually good, we could put in temporary bleachers, one would think that maybe seating technology has evolved to a certain regard over the past 20 years where setting something up like that would be very easy to do. If not augmented reality. If not augmented reality, absolutely. I'm more interested to see what opportunities the Orioles have in uh, skirting the contracts that they have with Del- uh, Delaware North. Sure. Um, because I think it would be interesting. You know, you're talking about Flying Dog, who, with whom they already yep. do business. But I think it would be awesome for the ballpark to be able for the Orioles to be able to, you know, go out to companies, right? Because we talk about how it's the, the season ticket for 
businesses that are really sure. hurting the Orioles. Go out to companies and say, look, buy out a section of the stadium. Uh, it'll be half price beers. You have dedicated vendors that are just there for you. Special food and beverage that only you can get access to. And it'll be dirt cheap, half price, whatever yep. you say. Because honestly, if you could say, hey, my work has this thing going on uh, on Tuesday night. The Orioles are going to get their brains beaten in by the you know the 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 team coming in to play them. But I'm going to be able to go to a baseball game and buy four dollar beers and eat food that I don't usually get at Camden Yards. And it's going to be a bunch of you know my friends and we'll be able to hang out. That's a good deal for them. I completely agree. And you know I think it comes back to this this mindset of you know that club aspect where it's like a suite. Um, but just imagine like. Just imagine, let's talk about right field, right by the warehouse in that back like triangle section. Let's just say we level that. Jake, uh, how much money would you pay to have, uh, let's say, 50 to 100 guests there for a wedding reception? Yeah, yeah. And be like, hey, we're going to go and have our, our wedding reception at Camden Yards. Or, hey, we're going to have our wedding rehearsal uh, dinner at Camden Yards and basically have a bunch of food, local beer, and just be able to go up there with 100 people that, again, are mingling among friends, but at the same time watching the game on every so often. I feel like it's it's similar to the suite option, but it's not the same thing as a suite. It's not the aspect of you're personally catering, but you're just basically setting up an area for people to basically co-mingle. How do you bring the party out of the suites and into the stadium. That's that's the the problem you're trying to solve. Well, that, um, but it's also the situation of like, I don't want the suite clientele. Yeah. What I want is, I want the clientele that's currently walking through Fed Hill and Fells and Canton, and I want them to say, instead of me bar hopping here, through here and there, and basically paying 8 to $10 for a drink, how do I get them to come to Canyon Yards and offer that, pub style food um or tapas style food that they want to have um and then at the same time be able to have a cocktail a beer or a glass of wine at the same time for similar pricing to what we would see this is not going to be your typical three to four dollar beers this is going to be kind of a finer aspect these are going to be you know beers for you know six to eight dollars but again they're going to be craft beer um and then it's going to be you know cocktails for the typical like eight to twelve dollars but again, they're going to be higher in cocktails. So when we talked about this off mic, you know, I, I kind of, uh, you know, uh, shuddered when you said maybe we need to remove seats because I thought, oh, gosh, where? But that whole Section 3, Section 7 area that you're talking about is a pretty good candidate. Yeah. And amazing sight lines to the game. Amazing. If we could get another center field bar, but but in that location— mm -hmm. I think that would be a, a, a real moneymaker for the club. Again, I think that they have to do something special to attract people into the park. You know, they're already making money on the folks that are coming. The problem is not enough people are coming. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, the biggest issue this comes back down to is Delaware North um, and also beer distribution deal that the Orioles currently have, I'm sure, with Budweiser and all the big breweries. So, like, ultimately, it, it, it's going to come back down to um, – what are those distribution deals worth it to them? And then how um, readily available are the Orioles willing to say, we're willing to walk away that from that? Um, here's one thought, though. Um, and um, this is me kind of getting in my soapbox. We have talked about numerous times um, 
what's a way that Baltimore can improve itself? And I think one of the ways Baltimore can improve itself from a business and an economic standpoint is saying, we're going to turn Camden Yards into an area where it really highlights the entire city and the businesses around it. So you can come to the stadium as a guest, as a tourist, or even as a local and say, I want to try out this you know, station, as it were, and get an understanding of what this restaurant is offering. So in the future, if I want to come back to Baltimore, I can make a reservation at this restaurant. Can you imagine going in there and being like, hey, I want to try um, Resurrection in a can um, and then say, hey, that was pretty good. I'd rather go into Baltimore and try that out again. Or can you imagine going in there and, you know, you know, drinking you know a local whiskey, as it were, or anything like that? I just feel like ultimately, if we're looking for people to understand why it's good to be a small to medium business, this is an opportunity where Oriole Park and more importantly, Angelo's family could say, we're going to differ from the historical norm of working together with um, Delaware North and other caterers like Aramark. And instead, we're going to put this back on local businesses to come and work with us in order to basically get some of the clientele outside the city to come into the city to basically be part of the party. And unfortunately, it's chicken and the egg, right? So it's like, why do you do all that work for the 5,000 people that are there every night or do you do all this work to try to get more than the 5,000 people into the seats? You know what I mean? It, yep. it, it is a legit problem, but I, I agree. I think that the, the, you know, the stadium is prime real estate and the fact that it is the most, one of the most incredible parks in major league baseball, right? Yeah. It is an asset. How do we use that asset? And here's my other point to this. Um, you know, I think the affiliate deal, um, is probably not going to change overnight, but we'll point out that I was at Memorial day game today um, and I'd say three quarters of the upper deck concessions were closed because again, attendance wasn't great. So why would you open upper deck concessions and staff people if you don't need to staff them for it? So maybe you come back to that aspect for Delaware North and say, you know what, based off our attendance numbers and based off of how often we need to stack these given areas, we're going to close this whole area off. You don't need to be part of that, ta- that portion anymore. But instead, we're going to open that up and rent it out accordingly and turn it into an incubator style aspect where you know restaurants can come in and basically rent it on a series monthly or per game basis to come in there and cook. Similar to a food truck aspect. And you're basically just coming in, working within a kitchen that, again, has health standards accordingly for it. And you're saying, come over into this section. You don't know what the restaurant's going to be until you get here. But you may come in here and it may be, you know, Holy Free Holies or it may be uh, Riley's Oyster House that's in there that night and they're going to be serving food um, ahead of time. You know, and again, how do you get the party out of the suites and, on, you know, onto the concourse? Correct. You know, maybe it's not a big deal. You can't see the game from the concourse. Maybe you empty out some of those unused food stations Correct. and turn them into a beer garden or yep. a place where people can congregate and have a good time. Yep. Lots of TVs, you know, if they're willing to watch TV at a bar or at home. Maybe they'd be willing to do it at Camden Yards. Yep. And like I said, I think this is a good opportunity when people say, I don't want to go into the city. Um, You know, ultimately, we've talked about before, Camden Yards is this kind of safe zone. Um, It it has been for a while. You know, you take a look at the violence and you take a look at the shootings. And besides, you know, the whole ride situation got fairly close to the ballpark. Generally, shootings don't occur anywhere near the stadium. I would say it's like a, a five to six block radius around the stadium where it's kind of like a safe zone where everyone realizes if something were to happen there, 
Uh, bad stuff's going to happen uh, to us because the police are going to come heavy after us afterwards. So if you're looking for people from the suburbs to come back and feel safe into Baltimore, start with going to Camden Yards and then have them branch out into other areas of the city in order to build the business out further. For as entrepreneurial and as pro-Baltimore as you know John um, is from, an, from the Angelos family, uh, I, I certainly think it's a really interesting idea to kind of take it as a prototype going forward. I agree. All right. Anything else that you want to add to this uh, trying aspect for the Orioles? No. Just, again, we need to encourage them to try. If they're not going to try on the field, let's have them try at the park. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks that were trying this week in Fantasy Boss. Um, one of them dominated the other one. Let's find out who it was. So, Jake, what were you thinking with this pick? Uh, this week's category was uh, WOBA. And uh, this whole week, I was watching the Baltimore Orioles, and I was absolutely convinced that Renato Nunez is who you picked. Because that's how Jake English rolls. He picks the absolute worst name, and that individual managed to, to blow out blow out everyone and just basically destroy them. But I went back in our show notes and was looking at it, and I was like, oh, wait, he, he did not pick Renato Nunez. He actually picked Chris Davis, who posted a 148 WOBA this week. Uh, And I had picked Trey Mancini, who posted a 365 WOBA this week. Uh, So by that aspect, Trey Mancini wins, which means that I go up 3-2-1. to to But Jake, um, this has not been a good streak for you, as it were. You are probably going to get an extra point when it comes to June 15th, although... I, I do raise the question whether or not, you know, that deadline should be uh, postponed due to Chris Davis going on the injured list. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see. I'm sure that you do. <laughs> I'm sure that you do. Uh, no, this has been a painful time for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm unaccustomed to losses, particularly consecutive losses and fantasy boss. I'm feeling my confidence rattled. It's just it seems unnatural. But I, I can explain my picks. Scott. Okay. I picked with my heart. Scott, I wanted Chris Davis to do well. I wanted him to be the fantasy boss hero of my world. And so I thought that me showing faith in him would have him rise to new levels. I thought that it would bring back the Chris Davis of 2013. If just for a brief, a brief bright moment, we could finally be back together. All of us in winning ways. How'd that work for you? Not great. It came crashing down to a fiery yeah and got a sore hip out of it <laughs> didn't we all um so yeah fantasy boss uh well done scotty you take a a three to two uh lead which is exciting three to two to one three to two to one yes yes um so that's that's phenomenal we now have to pick a new category uh i'm gonna go very boring okay this time i would like to just go extra base hits Ooh, extra base hits okay um I am going to go with, hmm, I think I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Jonathan VR. Ah, that's a great pick. I think VR, uh, Nunez, and Mancini are the the clear good picks. I'm going to go with who I should have gone with last week. I'm going to try to ride 
Renato Nunez. Renato Nunez. Hoping for the uh, the power to continue, as it were. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with extra base hits, and we'll go with that. Um, uh, Jake, you're taking Renato. I'm taking uh, yeah, somebody. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to lose this week because Renato Nunez is going to crush me. And we will find out who owns it this week in fantasy with boss. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and dabble over to the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started, mostly because Scott's rants farly, uh, far exceed the excellence of my own. Uh, my good for this week is going to go to newcomer Keon Broxton, an outfielder for your Baltimore Orioles. He came over in a trade and, wait for it, has not been terrible. He's played in a, a quality center field. Um, and had a good week at the plate. He batted 417 with five hits, including a homer and a double, and had a weighted runs created plus of 221. I will take that any any day, any week. You did not watch the game today, did you? I did not. Is that whole center field thing? Cam uh, Broxton uh, was pretty horrible today in center field. <laughs> but uh, We'll get that in editing. Yeah, it's we'll, fine. We'll, it's we'll fine. figure that out. Uh, I'm going to go with Renato Nunez, who will never, ever, ever, ever have a week like he just had this week. With whoa, 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 whoa. Except for this week when he dominates you in fantasy balls. Never, ever, ever have a week like he just had. Uh, five home runs, uh, 10 RBIs, 400 average, 483 on base percentage, 600 Woba, 288 weighted runs created plus. Renato Nunez, thank Matt Taylor's son. Send him a fruit basket. You did good. Keep watching that tape. And taking the instruction. Well done, sir. Well done. All right. My bad for this week. You know, I can't pick just one. My week uh, bad for this week is the Orioles pitching staff at large. The pitching staff had only four players who played at or above league average this week. Now, you know, I'm all about the standardized uh, metrics, so I love weighted runs created. Plus, um, there are stats for pitching in in that vein uh era minus uh fip minus x fip minus are are uh, you know again standardized um metrics for the pitching only four players pitched like major league baseball players this week and they only accounted for 11 innings of baseball the orioles pitching staff wretched or great just wretched yeah, I completely agree with you, um, which is why I'm going to give my bad to Mike Wright. Uh, Mike Wright had a 6.0 Ks per nine, 6.0 walks per nine, six home runs per nine this week. Uh, he posted a 6.0 ERA, 12.44 FIP, uh, and a 6.9 XFIP. Mike Wright was absolutely horrible. Wait, Mike Wright? Oh, sorry. One second. It says Sean Armstrong here. I got I got confused there oh, for a second. New Mike Wright. New Mike Wright. Oh, yes. New Mike Wright. There was an fun. asterisk there. I just it was so small that I didn't see it. Okay. I am used to that behavior. Okay. New Mike Wright. I I feel lost. Sorry. Now. Sorry. All right. My ugly for this week is actually going to go to the broadcast team for the Baltimore Orioles radio network for today. You mentioned I did not watch yes. today's game, which is true. Instead, I listened to much of it while slaving away 
building a vegetable garden in my backyard um, and was treated to uh, Kevin Brown and Greg Olson, who were just terrible after a play was made. Um, Detroit Tigers shortstop, and I use that term loosely, Ronnie Rodriguez made a boneheaded play, which resulted in a three-base error, a run scored, and a player should have been out on a double play advanced to third base. This is bad. I, I acknowledge that this is a bad thing. But these two cats went on and on about this for several innings. This was several innings worth of discussion about what a boneheaded play it was, how terrible it was, as if these two guys have not been forced to watch the Baltimore Orioles for the entirety of this season. Guys, I get it. Move on. It was a moment a moment of anger in which I did not enjoy the radio broadcast. Again, I'm spoiled, having grown up on John Miller and on Joe Angel, so perhaps this is a problem with me. But for today, those two guys were ugly. Yeah, Greg Olson doesn't do anything for me at all. Like, I know Kevin Brown is still getting a feel for everything, but Greg Olson does nothing for me as a color commentator. Well, I just, like, it was again and again and again and again with how bad this play was and how, how this guy had screwed up. And I was like, guys, all right, I we, got it. Move on. Can, yeah, move on. Yeah. Uh, so my ugly for the week obviously has to go to Renato Nunez. And obviously we know how bad he was with the amount of blown saves. I don't think we quite understand. Michael Givens? Yeah. That's what I said? Renato Nunez. Oh, I met Michael Givens. I was very confused for a brief moment. How much gin is in here? I don't know, but you're not finishing your cucumbers. That's the problem. I am going to eat these cucumbers in just a second. Um, so, of course, we know about Michael Givens' blown saves. Um, but I wanted to point back to a stat that we have talked about before in the past when it comes to relievers, and it's win probability added. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about relievers in the past, like Zach Britton blowing saves. You know, the win probability added for the given week might have been like negative uh, 0.5 because, again, he might have a bone save, but then he would have, a, you know, you know save the next game and it would all manage out. But this week for Michael Givens, he had a win probability added of negative 2.11, which means that, in essence, he cost the team two wins due to how bad he was. Um, that doesn't sound good. No, it's 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 not great. Um you know, a typical win probability added for, a, you know, a decent reliever like a closer is going to be like 0.5 to 1 point for the season. And, you know, it's possible that Michael Givens could kind of bounce back. But, uh, man, you you take a look at his numbers, 9.0 case per 9, 18 walks per 9, 9 home runs per 9, a 24 ERA this week, and 11.56 XFIP. And what's crazy is you look back at that one game that he lost against the Yankees and he got the first two outs pretty quickly. And you're like, all right. We got this game, and then he didn't get the call, and it's like he self-destructed. It was like he was Greg Olson, and he couldn't get over the fact that a bad play had just occurred. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what to say. Ever since that moment, Michael Givens has been horrible. But you can watch Michael Givens come out right now, and you can watch him pitch, and you can just tell right away he doesn't have the command that he has had in the past. Um, before he was able to you know, dot the corners, as it were, but he's just horrible out there right now. And, um, you know, I completely agree with Brandon Hunt saying he can't put him in high leverage situations because right now, how can you put someone in there that is, has this type of walk rate into a high leverage situation? You just can't. He, in essence, has to go back to um, potentially a multi-inning reliever and basically work one to two innings in low leverage situations 
just to get a feel once again for his pitches and get a feel for his delivery and his mechanics. You know, if and when I have time. And you youngins out there that actually have time that we don't have any time anymore, if you wanted to take a look at something that I would find particularly interesting, I would go back to potentially last year or earlier this season when Michael Givens was doing amazing, and I would take a look at um, his shoulder and his throwing slot motion currently where he's going right now, and I would bet you that his mechanics from a throwing slot are completely different right now in terms of this walks per nine being so high. I think you were on to something. Yeah. You said that he, we need to go back with Michael Givens. We yeah. need to go back. Maybe we're not thinking about this right. Okay. Maybe we need to go back further and further and further than we thought was appropriate and send him back to shortstop. Mm. Could I, he out-hit Richie Martin? So uh, I saw a stat today on the Baltimore scoreboard that indicated that eight of Richie Martin's hits have been for extra base hits. So when he hits... He makes it worth his while. Either that or he's just waiting to become a late-inning reliever. Um, I think if we had the ability to go back and back and back and back in time, um, I'm pretty sure that we would basically not bring Alberto Jimenez out of the bullpen. I think that's ultimately what we would use our powers for in Birdland. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. That's, another, that's actually another good one. Uh, <laughs> listeners, let me hear you. Tweet at us, at BirdseyeViewBAL. If you could go back in time and change just one thing from your entire life of watching Orioles games, what would it be? Yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I think if I had a choice... Um We'll, we'll save that for a future segment. Let, let's let's get the let's get the accoutrement from Birdland, and uh, hopefully we don't get spammed by a bunch of Russian bots. Um, let's go ahead and, and and blow the save, as it were. And oh, that's right. This was good, bad, and the ugly. Imagine was, that. Yeah, imagine that. And we'll, we'll we'll go ahead and blow the save. All right, so news came out, uh, I guess it was today, um, about Dustin Pedroia, who's going to be taking a leave of absence from baseball. Um, pretty emotional uh, kind of press conference, uh, Alex Cora uh, with him. Um, Dustin Pedroia obviously really kind of broken up, um, you know, just in a bad sort of talking through, you know, how much of a issue it is basically for him to walk. You know, he's not going to go back and get another surgery. You know, and he mentioned that it's a possibility that he'll never return to baseball once again, which, you know, all things aside, you know, at the very end of it, you know, he'll look, we'll look back at his career and we'll be like, hey, he had a great career, you know, won multiple championships, um, you know, tip of the cap to him. One of those players that you hate because he's so darn good. Right, exactly. Um, but of course, I did the tragic thing. Um and I basically delved deeper into the story and read the comments, as it were. Oh, Scott, yeah, no. no. Never read the comments. Never read the comments. So I uh, decided to go down into the Twitter wormhole um, to basically make myself feel bad. And I came across a, a multitude of uh, Boston Red Sox fans criticizing Manny Machado for ending Dustin Pedroia's career and for being a dirty player and having a dirty slide and... Uh, Ending um, what was such a hopeful uh, aspect for a late 30-year-old second base career. Yeah. Um, 
I think this just goes back to the point um, that I should always make, um, especially now that we are entering into a another playoff scenario uh, within the NHL of the St. Louis Blues against the Boston Bruins. Of uh, the hashtag never Boston. Anything that comes out of Boston is generally a bad thing, which again is one of the reasons why I am so kind of a little nervous uh, about Dogfish Head now being acquired by the Boston Brewing Company. Uh, nothing good uh, comes out of Boston. Nothing at all. Only bad things can come out of Boston. So I agree with many things you just said there. Yes. But I think you're missing... Let's let's go to the avid Boston apologist um, and who has indicated many a times before in the past that he loves to go to Boston and it's one of the fa- most favorite cities he's ever been to. All right. Uh, that all aside. Yes. I think you're missing a key component of this this entire situation. Is it Chada? No. Okay. <laughs> Manny Machado, no longer our problem. Manny Machado, no longer our problem. However, I think it further reemphasizes my belief, in my opinion, that um, Boston fans, they're the absolute worst. Yeah. 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 You got me there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, that is our show. Remember that you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at Bird's Eye View Baltimore. Dot com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. And please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, except from Boston, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com or Boston related hate mail to Scott at Birds Eye View Baltimore. Hello. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat, but the very best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at Birds Eye View, B A L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. Seriously, I can't think of one good thing that's come out of Boston. Like, Mark Wahlberg is, like, the number one paid actor right now in the world. Like, how is that possible? They had a pretty good massacre. No. No. Stop. No. Um, yeah. Nothing. Got nothing. Got nothing. Harpoon's okay, I guess. Yeah. That's about it, though. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.